Hello, everyone. It's Artem, and today I'm joined by Michelle Norwood of Michelle Norwood Events. Known for her tenacious spirit and warm personality, Michelle Norwood is a sought-after destination wedding planner based in New Orleans, Louisiana. Her bespoke planning and design approach is to start with her clients to uncover their unique stories and backgrounds and let their stories inspire the celebration. When she's not planning and designing signature spaces, she's trying out new natural beauty regimens and traveling the world. She's been named top planner in the world by Harper's Bazaar, named best in class the top wedding planners and event designers by Martha Stewart, named best wedding planner in America by Brides, named master list planner and designer of the South by Over the Moon, named top planner in Louisiana by Junebug Weddings, and she's been featured in Vogue, Wedding Chicks, The Knot, Wedding Sparrow, and countless other publications, both professionally and personally. She's also a member of the Female Founders Collective and EW Co. Michelle, I think the only way to sum that up respectfully is, da damn, quite a resume. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's very impressive. And I really want our listeners to get a little bit more of a uh, fuller grasp of who you are and what you do. I mean, that's quite the resume. Uh, tell us a little bit of how we got here. Like what, what happened that led you in this direction? And then uh, how'd you rack up all those honors? Oh, so I actually started... My, my career started as an accountant, not an event planner. Oh. I know it's sad. But anyway, I landed my, my dream job, and I, I worked for the automotive industry, landed my dream job, and they wanted a planner to plan this event, and they didn't want to pay a planner, and so they asked me if I would do it. And I was like, sure, no big deal. A company didn't want to pay a planner? How, <laughs> how, how unique. That was, well, that was also 17 years ago, so things have changed. But anyway, so so I ended up doing the event, and everyone was like, wow, that was the best event ever, blah, blah, blah. So then every time they had an event, I did it until it came to the point where I was like, I am enjoying this more than the job that they actually hired me for. <laughs> so, so fast forward many years later, um, True story, my boss and I got into an argument and it was July and I said, I am going to quit and start my own company. And he said, good luck with that. And I resigned on December 6th and I left in January and I started my company in Austin, Texas in January. I also relocated that same year, but that's how I got here to this point. Beautiful. Wow. So it all started with uh, an argument in corporate America. I love to hear that. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and now when I go into a corporate office, I'm like, the walls are closing in on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got some of that. It's, it's traumatic, I'm sure. Yeah, I have PTSD. Yeah. yeah. Corporate America. <laughs> corporate America. I mean, they, they give out a lot of that, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but that really just speaks to how you have an entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe it's not something that you probably knew right away, but within a span of what, five, six months, you were just like, okay, this is going to happen. And you carried it through. Yes. And, exactly. and kind of now, um, not to, you know, throw it in their face, but I just read that whole list of honors and awards you've received. Uh, that means that it's worked out quite well for you, hasn't it? It has. And, you know, please throw it in their face. Oh, I, actually, yeah, I, like I actually hope to um, run into my old boss one day and be like, so how's life treating you? Well, let me tell you how it's treating me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's really weird. You think about things like that. And I have a friend who was fired while he was starting his business. And then he actually did run into his uh, former employer. And she basically, the conversation they had was different than what he thought. She basically said, I, I did it for your own good. She was just like, you, you basically needed to have that happen to take things to the next level. Now, whether or not that was her covering herself for what she did, who knows, to get rid of that person. But if you do have that exchange, it's so bizarre because on the one hand, of course, it's disheartening to have any kind of argument or, or anything that's like combative. But on the other hand, it did propel you to where you are now. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? Right? I, I mean, I'm glad it happened. I'm sad it took so long. That's okay. The- yeah, <laughs> got it. I yeah. I want to see that reunion. Can you at least have that on like video? Uh, oh, when, when <laughs> absolutely. If it happens, I will be like, let me get my phone out. <laughs> yeah, I think the general public would love to see that. 
Um, and then we'll do, it'll be like one of those housewife reunions. Exactly. Great. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, that's where my knowledge of the housewife series stops, by the way. I know the reunions get tense. Um, mm. but, but that's all I can offer to the listeners at this point with, with that franchise. Yeah. Um, on, on that note, uh, let's hop back to pre-planning, pre-accounting, pre-everything. You have entrepreneurial mindsets. Like you, you have that desire, you have the drive, you've got everything clearly because it's, it's what you do now. You're an entrepreneur. Did you have hints of that as a child? Like when you were younger, did you think I might one day own my own business or you were, you know, that old tired story of like selling lemonade and you didn't even realize that was an entrepreneurial thing. So like, is that something that you felt as a kid? You know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I know this. I know that I've always been extremely opinionated. I've always been extremely bossy and I've always known exactly what I wanted. Mm. Um, even like certain things like with, with my mom and I, I'll be like, Oh, when I do, when I get older, I'm going to do it this way. Like I always just kind of knew if I saw something I didn't like, Oh, when I get older, I'm gonna do it this way. When I get older, I'm gonna do it this way. But you know, at the time I was like, I had to listen to what my parents were saying. Right. But as soon as I got out of their house, I was like, no, I'm going to do it my way. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but you know, anyway, <laughs> I'm here, so now it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. But you took mental notes. Like even as a kid, yes. you're like, this is when the time comes, this is exactly. what's going to go down. I like that. Yeah, I when you say opinionated and you you have a goal and you kind of know what you want, um, mm -hmm. I call that delightfully difficult. And oh. that's I tell my team a lot of the time when we're working events, I am delightfully difficult. I'm fully aware of how difficult I am, but the end goal is to create the best possible event. Exactly. So that's where I feel like the delightful part comes in. We're like, look, you can say I'm difficult, and I am. I fully am aware of that. However, it's because we want the best possible outcome. Exactly. So like that. Let's do, let's go. We're both delightfully difficult. Yes. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> take me a little bit through your childhood. So like, let's, let's go back. You're, you're doing your thing. You're growing up and now you're not originally, like you mentioned, you're not from, uh, well, you are from New Orleans, but you were in Austin a little bit and then you went back to New Orleans. Yes. Home How did that all transpire? Right. Well, you want me to start from the beginning or do you want me to start from when I moved? No, I mean, start I from, let's start from the beginning. Let's see how you got here. Okay, so how I got here, how I got this lovely, bubbly personality is that mm -hmm. I went to 11 different schools for 12 years. Wow. <laughs> yes, so I never had friends. So every time I went somewhere, I had to make new friends. So now I have lots of friends. So were you, does that mean like a new school every grade, basically? Yes, that's exactly wow. what Yes, that's exactly what I, mean. I only went to one school two years in a row. Wow. And that was Riverdale. So even my my high school years, I went to a new school every year. So you, you probably got, at that point, you're used to being the new girl, like the new kid in town. Yeah, that's why I could roll up in an event and not know anybody and leave knowing everybody. I like this. So do you I, feel like that forced you to be like an extrovert or were you always an extrovert and just kind of just like we're up for the challenge every year? Oh, no, honey. Let me tell you, my family is full of big personalities. Like if you were you, it was impossible to be the kid in the corner. You would never get heard. I mean, oh. you had to, you know, scream and act crazy in order for people to know who you were. It's just that's the way I grew up. So like even when I was changing schools all the time, like it, it never registered to me. But now that I'm older and I tell it to people, they're always like, what? Were you in the military? And I'm like, nope, we just moved a lot. Mm. <laughs> So, not to put you on the spot, but if you had to name like favorite experience or like favorite grade throughout that whole time, like what would you say was the best year of all those transitioning years? Eighth and ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. I like that you had that ready to go. I appreciate yeah. it. I was worried about putting you on the spot and then having like eight minutes of silence as oh, you thought no. about it. So great. Okay. No, eighth and ninth grade was, it was the one year that I went to the same school twice mm. and it was in a row. And that is where I made friends that I still have to this day. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And that was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, then that really means middle school into high school. Yep. Okay. Which is like usually not the greatest time in a person's life. However, you, you obviously, you made it work for you because obviously that was the, the year where you could those two years rather where you can go and keep the friend group and keep going. Yeah. No, the eighth and ninth grade were the best. 
Awesome. Knowing that I was going, like one thing, knowing that I was going to the same school the next year was like, I don't have to start over. So like that was great. And, you know, then also like having those friends and, and I mean, I can tell you stories like the friend group that I have now, which two of them have passed away from like natural causes. Hmm. But, um, of that friend group, like we originally didn't get along. So it was like between eighth and ninth grade where we started to get along. And, and I mean, it's just, I just have the fondest memories of that time. I have great memories from all of my childhood, but that those two years were great. Nice. I love that. So when you say you guys didn't get along, not to get too into it, but was it like a mean girl situation where like you guys had to feel each other out for a little bit? And then were you stepping on their territory in a way as the, the new kid? Uh, you know, I don't even really know what it was, to be honest. I mean, we're talking 20 X amount of years. It is a few years back. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I don't really remember what the issue was, to be honest. All I know is that we all got called into the office. And when we were walking out of the office, I guess along the walk, we decided we should all be friends. And it was it was six of us. We decided we should be friends. And so we did. So it's like the breakfast club. Like you guys just, you, you spent a day in detention? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Were you like a, like a troublemaker growing up or was it just more because you were new and so it was just hard to really kind of get a gauge of what the rules were? You know, so I hear this a lot now, even as an adult. I, I am one of those people that I'm very stoic all the time. So mm-hmm. if you don't know me, people just generally make assumptions. And so if you don't know me and then you make assumptions based upon anything, this even is with my mom, like my mom will feel like I'm ignoring her when in actuality, I'm simply just thinking and I want to be focused on what I'm thinking about and I can't give you that attention. And so she gets really frustrated. And so I feel like the same thing happens in my my personal life. Like when, if I go to an event or if I see someone and I'm not like, Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. It, it almost comes across as if I'm a mean girl or I don't want to like associate with certain people when that's really not the case. I'm probably just thinking, or, you know, like, I don't know. There is so much that goes on in my head. I don't even know. It's like, people will be like, you made a face at me. And I'm like, I literally didn't even know I made a face. What face? What did the face look like? I can tell you what it means. <laughs> what the face look like. It's not really that. It's like, I get along with everybody. I'm like super bubbly. I mean, you and I met at a, silent dance party in the Bahamas and like now we're here so you know it's like I feel like if if people feel I'm sorry if people feel that way and um they don't have my number or like can't shoot me a DM or pick up the phone and call me then you don't really know me because I'm the person that like literally I I wrote a whole thing and it got featured on wedding chicks and I was like hey if you want to get to know me DM me call me I don't like I'm super friendly I'm super outgoing I'm super bubbly and it's like if that's the way you feel that means you don't even know me and you haven't even put in the effort to try well, I feel like, well, let's let it be known that when you and I met, the vibe I got was like, she's super fun and bubbly. And I felt like right away, we kind of just clicked. And I, I also feel like <laughs> sometimes those people that have the issue with like, oh, that person's ignoring me or whatever it is, they might be going through their own thing. And that's everybody's you know own prerogative. You got to do deal with whatever you got to deal with. But I've right. often found that like, the person who tends to have continued issues, I guess, isn't working on their own issues that has issues with other people. And the, the example I use is like the girl in high school who has a new best friend every other month. And then you know, the previous friend is, is awful is no longer, they no longer associate with them. Usually the girl that ends up like every party ends with her crying in the corner somewhere. So I always feel like that is more of a reflection on them than on you. Yeah, um, because I feel like knowing you and knowing your circle, it's like you just hey, if you're if you're fun vibes and you're a good, not even I only want to say a good person because it's so like general. But if right. you offer fun vibes and you're not here, you mind your own business, not here to hurt anybody. Let's let's jam. Yeah. Let's let's have a good time. I, I yeah, I just feel like uh, that's what how everybody in, in theory should be. I think for the most part, all of our mutual friends are that way too. Yeah. But, I just feel like, especially in our industry where, you know, you and I do different things, but we work in the, in the industry of celebration. Exactly. So you can't be like a judgmental, miserable person if, and, right. and try to sell celebration. Like people can see through that. Exactly. 
So it's just surprising that sometimes we do <laughs> we do run into that. Yeah. Also, my thing is what I've learned, and again, I have the experience of like transitioning from place to place and meeting new people. Everyone can't be everything to you. Like your friend that you turn up with and have a good time probably is not the friend that you could, you know, talk about your, your real life problems to. Right. You may have a friend that you can cry to, a friend that you can like that is just very matter of fact. And, and so it's like you have to know who certain people are in your life and mm -hmm. expecting one person to be everything to you. Sure. It's kind of insane. Like I, f I say, I have a friend and her and I say this all the time, like the relationships that are the hardest are the ones with friends because like the relationship with the men are easy. Like everybody knows their role, but it's like when you get into friendships, it's very different. And it's like, we don't have to be friends. We're choosing to be friends. So it's like, what kind of friend are you going to be to me? Are you my travel buddy? Then let's travel. And we have a good time, but if you're my friend that I can cry on your shoulder, then I know when I want to cry, I'm going to call you behind. And if I want to turn up and go get drinks, I'm going to call my other friend. If I want to have somebody to tell me exactly like it is, I'm going to call my other person. Right. But you have to know who is in your life and, and what they can bring to the table and vice versa, what you bring to the table for all of these people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a trial and error in a way, right? A, a process where you do realize like who you can depend on for certain things. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. As long as you set that precedent of saying, hey, I don't depend you on for everything. Yeah. But I do depend on you for this and I depend on this person for that. And I'm going to reciprocate and I'll, I'll be there for you for this and I'll be there for you for that. Like you can call me about this and that, but you don't call me about like IT stuff. I don't know. Right. Not, like, <laughs> exactly. That's not my area. So, you know, at a, in a deeper level, there's certain things that you're right, like emotionally, there's different ways to connect with people. I know you mentioned like relationships with men. We're very dumb. So I'm sure it's easier. Uh, <laughs> Y'all are easy to train. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, listen, that's fair and very accurate. So uh, I'm going to try a seamless transition here because you did mention travel buddies. But before we hop into travel, you moved around a lot. Was it within the same region or did you move like all over the place? So New Orleans is a little big city and all of these. So it was in New Orleans, but then it was also Jefferson Parish or Metairie or St. Tammany Parish. So a different parish, a different school, a different neighbor, a different ward, a different school. So literally you could move around the block and mm. you go to a different school. It was like you're in a completely different place. Yes. I see. Okay. So now my seamless transition comes into play. <laughs> Having all that experience with all those different cultures and those, all, all those different areas, you travel quite a bit. Yes. Obviously, you're a destination planner and designer, and so, which we'll get into in a second too. But um, not only do you travel for your career, but you, you do travel personally just for fun. Oh, yes. Okay. So take us through your, your best trip or your most memorable trip. Oh, now you want that eight minute pause. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I know my answer is weird. Whenever I say it, people are like, what? Iceland, Iceland by far has been the best place I've ever traveled to. Like really? I was talking to my, my, my husband who I went with. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if I could say this, but husband is gay husband, but I feel like it's so weird to say gay husband. So I say husband. Got but, it. Um, anyway, <laughs> but anyway he and I went to Iceland so this is how you have to know back to knowing the people in your life mm -hmm. so my friend Diana reaches out and said oh I'm turning 30 I want to go on an epic birthday trip she comes over we decide on Iceland and we book the trip she ends up not going on her birthday trip huh yeah okay. <laughs> see anyone else would have been livid but I know Diana's flaky so I didn't give a care I was like whatever girl I'm going to Iceland so I I asked Aspen I was like hey do you want to go to Iceland and he was like let's do it and so we went and that was my anyway long story short that was my best trip the reason why is because it was it was just an opportunity first of all my phone did not work I did not watch tv none while I was there it was an opportunity to just be one with the scenery and nature. And we, we drove around, completely around the island of Iceland. And we started in Reykjavik, went all the way around and came back. And I mean, just 
the hot springs just I don't know it just it felt it I don't know it it felt like the closest thing on earth to being in heaven I don't know that was just the feeling I had wow out of all the trips I've been on that one and I'm like I have to go back to Iceland I have to I feel like I didn't I like whenever I want peace that is where I would go Wow, that's that's quite the spot for the uh, Icelandic tourism board. That's <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Closest thing on earth to heaven. Yeah, that's what it felt. It really did. Hey. It like every waterfall, like everything that I saw. I don't know. It just it it just felt very euphoric. It it was just a wonderful feeling to be there. I love it. And we threw shots at Flaky Diana too. So that that was good. Flaky behind. <laughs> uh, so then, let's hop back real quick to New Orleans. What is your since you you've spent the majority of your life in New Orleans? Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Okay. So what was what what is your quintessentially New Orleans like favorite thing to do? Oh God! See, you want the these are the hard questions. Good. That's what we're here for. Um. Is it true, while you're thinking, is it true that you can basically just hire like a line, like a band, a parade line, just yes. even as one person? I could just go to the police department and say, I want a parade? Yes. I mean, Jatay's not going to help you, but you could. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, she will, she'll give you all the forms of what you're supposed to do, and then she'll be like, figure it out. Got um, it. You got to bring food when you go and talk to those ladies. That's the end. Um, or handbags. She really likes handbags, although don't give her one. Um, but yes, to answer the question, yes. One thing that is like quintessential New Orleans to me would be, although I don't, I don't like beignets from Cafe Dumont. Oh God, please do not come after me. I don't. There are better beignets at Cafe Beignet. It's a local place. It's very underrated, but it's on Royal Street. So if I am like, I want to go hang out in New Orleans, I'm either going to go have brunch at Brennan's or lunch at Muriel's and then go to Cafe Beignet. Mm. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And I like to eat. So of course it was around food. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Like once you go somewhere, I feel like that's part of the experience, right? Like once you, you sightsee, you make friends with the local people, whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. not like New Orleans is probably mostly tourists, right? Yeah. And so then you're like, okay, let's let's check out the food, especially in a place like New Orleans, which is known for their food. Um, I feel like if you go to New Orleans and you don't like try to figure out the hot spots for restaurants and for food, mm -hmm. what'd you do with your trip? Like, does it even count? Right. You, you came here for no reason. <laughs> or, you know what? It's like the best hot spots. It is the most disgusting place ever. It's called Verdi Mart. It's a grocery store. Skip the grocery store. Go into the back. There's a kitchen. The mushroom po' boy. I am not a vegetarian. I'm not. The mushroom po' boy is so good. Like, they have the grossest po' boys, but they're just like dirty New Orleans food that is so good define grossest like it's just sloppily made or yeah it's just like so okay so i always say i eat with my eyes like i want the yeah. food to be aesthetically appealing before mm -hmm. it goes to my body there it's like wrapped terrible like oh. you know it's, it's not presented properly and it's just like dirty grease food you know like what you need after you're been drinking in the club all night right okay oh so good so yeah verdi mart would be like my nighttime i've had way too many tequila sunrises <laughs> let me go get some verdi mart <laughs> got it so their vibe is like we're, our food is so good we don't have to make it aesthetically pleasing like we Absolutely. can get away with it yeah yeah got that's it. exactly right i see I, like, you want to get to a point where you're the planner that shows up in, like, a ripped shirt and it's like a ripped t-shirt with a stain on it. Like, I'm such a good planner. I don't even need to make myself presentable. I don't need to try. I just right. show up. Listen, you know you have a good result. That's exactly right. Perfect. I like that. Okay, so then uh, let's transition real quick into to cooking because you did mention the um, – uh, that's like a, a catering world sort of thing where – people do eat with their eyes people do need to have it be presentable because like i feel like half the taste is visual mm -hmm. um so and you are you you dabble in the culinary arts i dabble okay okay <laughs> um yes so i i you know things that we started going uh this time away 
is I started a cooking show called What's in Your Pantry. And yeah. I, I cook in my kitchen every day, sometimes three times a day, and I just record myself doing it. And it's funny because people are like, you didn't do What's in Your Pantry in two days. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Okay, <laughs> let me go make a breakfast sandwich or something. So that, I mean, I do, I do enjoy cooking and I enjoy eating. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how I'm not on my 600 pound life. But, but yeah, I know I do. I enjoy eating and cooking and eating again. It's what I like to do. I enjoy the eating more than the cooking. Uh, however, I, I, like I enjoy cooking, but there's, I also am self-aware. So there's like a level where things stop. I don't do certain things. I also make rules for myself, like not to indulge too much in certain things. So like my personal rule is I don't cook red, like I don't prepare red meat at home. I do eat red meat when I'm out and about but I don't prepare it at home. So it's not there too often. And I really try to stick to like chicken and turkey. Um, Explain the logic though. Like, why don't you prepare it at home? Just like to try to eat more healthy. Oh, okay. See, yeah. I, I mean, I care about that, but obviously not enough. <laughs> well, I also feel, well, I mean, there's, I'm not saying that red meat has its health benefits, right? But I'm just also saying, I think that if you go too much, cause I like, I know that I'm the type of person where if I make something, it's all getting eaten. Like I don't throw things out, right? right. So it's all going to get eaten. And it's a matter of like, do I need to have X amount? I'm not good at like measuring how much will, will be sufficient for myself or a person if I'm cooking for uh, multiple people or whatever. It's just like, it's going to get made. However much I've purchased is what's going to get made. Right. So, which is not probably the right way to do things as a, as a chef or cook or whatever you want to call it, whatever is happening in my kitchen. Yeah. Especially if you're a person of one, you got to get those numbers together. So you can right. <laughs> you got to know what's happening. That's why you make a, that's why you, I've eaten oatmeal for breakfast, slight variations where it's like different fruits or whatever with it, uh -huh. but oatmeal for breakfast where I want to say probably the last, I don't know, 15 years. So yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm a creature of habit. I eat my oatmeal. I mean, granted, unless I'm I'm out somewhere or unless I'm right, on right. vacation or whatever it is, but when I'm home, I'm eating, like, I think since college, I'm eating oatmeal for breakfast, and uh, lunch is typically like a salad, and I feel like if I can make my salad, eat it, and be done with it, that's my quote-unquote portion control. It's very hard on the road, so I'm actually interested, because you and I do work in, in the event industry, and we are often, when we're on event day, we're, we're working 15-hour days, 16-hour days, and plus, if there's travel involved, you've got your travel days. Mm -hmm. So that's very hard to kind of keep on a schedule. Right. So I'm thrown off on event days. Like mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a person where I strive for like, I'm in the gym 5am and then I have my oatmeal and then I, clearly I have my habits that are hard to, right. hard to get me out. But I'm not at, up at 5am in the gym after event day. That's insane. Right. Exactly. I would, I would no, die. So, um, <laughs> what's that? I said my feet hurt after event day. Right, exactly. Yeah, event day, like I need a recovery day physically and then like mentally. Like Monday is like email catch up day. Yes. After event day. Um, so, how do you, because you travel quite often, and like we mentioned professionally and personally, how do you sort of go about keeping a system? Or do you have, or do, or do you prefer not having a system and that's like the way it works for you? When I travel, I am eating, I am off whatever diet I was on. It doesn't even matter. I am going to the best place and put someone, I have done my research before I left, or if it's a place I've been, I know when I travel, I eat. So you're a researcher. You do your research. Oh, yes. I saw, I figured it was either that, or I can definitely see you as someone who can like walk into any place and just be like, make friends with the local people and like take me to the best place. Yep, that and that too. That's it. Okay. I need to know the best place. So you gotta, you always have to become friends with the the locals yeah. or the concierge. Like you just, you gotta shoes these people a little bit, get them on your side, and then they tell you all the goods, and then your the rest is history. Yeah, because they take you away from the touristy places. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and that's like everywhere you go, no matter where you go. Like I have a friend who used to live in Vegas, and he's constantly telling me like you, you got to go off the strip, and you got to do that, and you got to do this, and it's like nothing anybody's really actually aware of. Exactly. Yeah. Like my favorite place to eat at in in um, Las Vegas is El Gordo. 
the taco stand. Yeah. Oh my God. And I'm like, can I please get an Uber to El Gardo? And they're like, how do you know about it? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask follow-up questions. Just take me right. Just take me there and wait for me because I need to get back. <laughs> so uh, let's hop a little bit back into uh, Michelle Norwood as far as like what you do for, obviously we know the cooking, the travel. What else do you do for fun? What do you do to... Um, keep yourself going professionally and also just kind of know that you're you exist outside of the event space too okay I'll start with work because that is that is a great question what do I do to keep myself going professionally you know I'm I'm not a I'm I have milestones I am not a person that has goals because then I would get extremely competitive because okay. I'm I'm extremely competitive in any sense sure so so when I'm thinking about business, like I just always want to get to the next level, whatever that next level is. Like right now I have a milestone that's, that I told to one of my friends and she was like, what are you going to do to get that? I was like, I want to be in Forbes. <laughs> okay. And she was like, what are you, what are you going to do to be in Forbes? I was like, I don't know. I haven't figured that part out yet, but that's next. That's what I, I want to be in Forbes. I don't know really know why. I don't know what I'm going to be in Forbes for, but you know, if I make it in Forbes one day, I'm going to be like, see, told you. Um, <laughs> it's on record now. Yeah. It's right. You've, you've, so, you've manifested it into the universe. There you go. I 100% believe in manifestations. I'm like, you know, you got to trust the journey. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. And I'll tell a story about that the other day that made me cry. But anyway, not sad, but like, it was just a realization moment. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I am literally exactly where I'm supposed to be. And um, the other thing is that I want to be verified on Instagram. So like, those are the two things I, I don't focus on like, Oh, I want to book this many clients or I want to book this dollar amount event or this. I don't focus on stuff like that. Like, I feel like I get better results when I just keep my head down and I do the work right. and like what's meant for me will come to me. If I have a, a client that reach out and they, they have this really great project that I want to be a part of and they end up not hiring me. Well, that wasn't meant for me anyway. So right. I just, I'm easy. It's for me, it's easy to let things go because that's the way I look at it. It wasn't meant for me. When one door closes, a window open. So guess what? That door closed and probably something better is going to come through the window. But if I'm fixated on what I lost, then I'm never open to what I can gain. So for me, for business, that's how I think about it. And for, for, and so that's how I stay like always on the go. Like, even if I have a, a whole bunch of leads like and none of them pan out and i did all of this like pre-work and none of them panned out it's fine because then it could happen where i get one that was enough to cover all of those and and all as well right a new mountain to climb basically each time yeah yeah okay yeah. now and, have you always been like that or is that something that's come with just experiencing in the industry and being a business owner no, I've always suffered from immediate gratification syndrome. <laughs> it has a name because like I've always recognized it. Like I'll give you a, a really stupid example. Like if I really wanted a YSL bag and then I got it, the minute I got it, it no longer had value because like I had it like, yeah, like not well, on to the next thing. Right. And I mean, I mean, that's just human nature. I would think, right. That's just kind of like when, when kids get a toy and they play with it and it's like, okay, well, I played with it. I'm done. Okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's not, I mean, that's human nature. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, yeah. It makes sense, too. Also, you're very creative. So creative people get bored very easily. I do get bored very easily. Yeah, I have to, I have to always be doing something or seeing something. You know, it's just I'm always overstimulated. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why I liked Iceland so much, because I literally was not stimulated at all. It, it was just, just kind like of forced you. Yeah, maybe yeah. that was. Hmm. We're making a very weird ad for Iceland, like not stimulating at all. Dot dot dot. Closest <laughs> place to heaven. <laughs> they need to. The government of Iceland needs to call me and like bring me. Totally. Over. So, yeah, I need to be the person on the puffin. That's board. how we're gonna get you in Forbes. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. Won't he do it? <laughs> let's, let's go. I we're um, making uh, we're making milestones as we speak. <laughs> If, whenever this airs, whenever this goes out uh, on the podcast, when this episode airs, I, I want something to be off of your checklist. Okay. Whether it's, okay. Whether it's the Instagram verification or Forbes or whatever, or getting you a, a, an, an ambassadorship for the tourism board of Iceland. Yeah. Uh, okay. When does this air? I got some work to oh, do. Oh, I don't know. I have no. <laughs> <laughs> You're calling me out now on my process about how this works. 
I have no schedule. I, I'm living this like Larry David lives out Curb Your Enthusiasm where there's uh-huh. no real uh, plan in place. It's just right. hopefully people look forward to it when it comes out. Um, but then let's jump. I know you said you had some some pointers for personal life as well. Like, so how do you keep, not necessarily motivated, but how do you like stay uh, within that creative space? Like, how do you stay creative? It's, I guess it's a weird way to, to say it because people think that creativity is is like a natural thing, but you have to harness it. You have to like let it live. You have to, you have to train it. Yeah. Um, I, so see, you make it, see, if I tell you this, I'm giving away my secrets. Okay. Right. That's okay. You know, we'll top secret. Them up. Wait, you can yeah, say it and I can just like, sleep it. Oh, that's a great idea. I got Look, you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to scratch the surface here. Everything around me, even if I'm in a grocery store. So mm-hmm. it's weird. Or let's, let's not say the grocery store. Cause that is weird. <laughs> weird Maybe. is good, Michelle. Don't, don't shy away from weird. <laughs> Macy's on Fifth Avenue shoe department. If I'm in there, I'm like, oh, that would be a great cape display. Oh, okay. It's like, it doesn't even, I could be anywhere and be like, wow, that'd be great for a bridal shower. And then That's ins- inspiration. Just, it's, and it's everywhere. Like at my house, there's like all these greeneries over here, trees mm-hmm. and whatnot. And the other day I went outside and it was super foggy in this one spot. And I like immediately picked up the phone and I called my friend photographer that I work with all the time. And I was like, we have to do a shoot. We need to get a real bride and she needs to be right here. And I don't know how we're going to know if it's foggy this one particular day, but like right there, like that is just a moment that is so spectacular. It needs to be seen. And so it's like, that's, and I mean, she does the same thing. She was like, I had a dream. Mm. And I'm like, okay, girl, I'm gonna be in the dream with you. Let's do this. <laughs> so yeah, yeah and just, that's the type of friend where you guys know you you both could humor each other's like creative fantasies and make them happen. Yeah, exactly. And no matter how weird they are, and if like if it's a bus, which to this day nothing has been a bus, but if it's ever a bus, we're like, ooh, that was a waste of time and money. <laughs> it, yeah, but it's like it's one of those things where you always go back to: is anything ever really a failure or just a lesson learned? So it's like even exactly. if it. It, it depends. How do you define bust? Like, oh, it didn't get the amount of likes that you thought, or like it didn't pan out for a client to, to hire, or is it just more like it didn't come out the way you envisioned it to come out? Big deal. You you move on. Well, I don't know because we haven't had a bust yet. So good. Oh, okay. So I don't know what the what the answer is to that, but you know, we could add that to the list. If I have a bust between now and when this episode comes out, I'll be like, okay, so the thing that that I checked off was the bust. No, nah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> We're not gonna let that happen. We're Again, not manifesting so, that negative energy. <laughs> no, yeah, it's how you define bust, and it won't happen. I, it's like uh, I feel like any you ask any boastful rapper, and it's like I, you know, I don't know what losing is. That kind of thing. Like all I do is win. And that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do. We don't yeah. know what the, that word "bust" is no longer in our vocabulary. Exactly done. <laughs> so hop back to you are now you're you're jumping from grade to grade, school to school. Uh huh. How how do you treat that as a kid? Like mentally, how do you go into every year preparing? Like, hey, I'm I'm the new kid again and again and again. I don't- it to be I mean unless I've suppressed those memories <laughs> I don't know if I ever even thought about it like it was normal you know even even if your life's terrible which my life was not terrible but even if your life is terrible you don't notice it I, just, I didn't notice it it was just part of your environment it was just, it was just like whatever here we go again <laughs> okay which is yeah. fair because I mean yeah if you do it every grade then it just becomes a normal yeah. thing right yeah it's like you don't know if you haven't experienced anything else, you don't know your your situation is different than anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. That is actually, you would make like a great like psychological case study where it's like, what does happen when you take a person? And I guess you were already, like you mentioned, because of your big family, you were already an extrovert. And yes. so that maybe just like made you flourish as an extrovert. Maybe. I mean, my family always called me Dane Jane because, like, there was never a camera I met I didn't like. Like, okay. if they bust out the camcorder, I mean, we had a big family, and they called my family the village, and we would all go on vacation all the time. And so it was like, even from a little girl, like, we have pictures of, like, us on boats and, like, going on vacation and stuff. And so 
I don't know. I just, I always had this personality. It's not new. I remember funny story. Okay. I remember there was this guy that, and he was a friend of the family. Like he was one of the other families that went on vacation with us when we were younger. We went to Disney World with them, Florida. Like we did family vacations all the time. Well, anyway, when we got around the age of like 1920, we went on a date. I don't know why I'm doing air quotes. We went on a date. Right. And, um, <laughs> And we went to Baskin Robbins and got ice cream and he had pistachio ice cream and I wanted to taste it. And like, I'm just audacious. I just stuck my spoon in this ice cream. I didn't think anything of it. I eat the ice cream. He was, many years later, I found out he was so turned off that I stuck my spoon in his ice cream, which is why we never went on another date. Mm. Fast forward many years later, like within the past five years, I run into him and, and like he goes and he, my mom was with me. He goes, we're, he, we're talking to my mom and, and, and he's, and I said something just like, I'm, I'm flipping. I have a really flip mouth. And I said something and he immediately turned around and said, I remember what I don't like about you, your mouth. <laughs> wow. Like, well, honey, you need to just walk away because it is a thousand times worse. And it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't offended by that at all because I'm like, I respect the fact that you were honest in that moment. I don't know what the point of this story was, but. In terms of just being always speaking your mind oh, and, and yeah. having that type of personality. But I don't know, what's his name? Let's call him, like, not his full name, but like, all right, if we're going to call out Flaky Diana, then this dude, all right, whatever his name is, you know, Mr. Uh, Pistachio. Mr. Pistachio ice cream, number one, you blew it. If, if a girl uh, is, is getting a sample of your ice cream with her spoon, you should kind of play off of that. It might be going well. You, you, you blew it. <laughs> um, and then number two, why would you say things like you said out loud, my man? Uh, well, listen, Mr. Pistachio ice cream, um, all the best. <laughs> and sayonara. There you go. That's, that's my, like, professional, all the best is my professional, like, I'm removing myself from the situation. Right. But all that to say, he recognized when I was younger, because like I said, our families went on vacation, that I had a, a slick mouth is what my mom called it, a slick mouth, which my son has it a thousand times worse than me. <laughs> so, so he is his mother's child. So anyway, so all that to say, yeah, I've always been very boisterous and never afraid to share my opinions. And if you ask me a question, you, you must want the truth because I don't know how to lie to you. And so, yeah, that's like just directness. I found that some people like directness and appreciate it and respect it. And that's probably why you and I get along really well. And then some people uh, are maybe uncomfortable with directness. Yes, I have, that, I've heard that. <laughs> listen, um, whatever. Everybody's got their own process. If, if directness makes you uncomfortable, something must have happened in your life to make you uncomfortable about it. And that's that's your prerogative. Uh, yeah. Like when you were talking about how you're stoic and sometimes you don't hear certain things or like you're just thinking and somebody might say something and you're, you're just in your world. I noticed that like sometimes I'll walk by somebody like in a hallway and go, hey, how are you? And I don't get a response. Mm -hmm. I, would, I used to get mad at that. Like when I was like in high school or college or something, I'd be like, oh, it's going that well. You can't really respond, huh? <laughs> and, then, and then as I got older, I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on in their head. Yeah. Maybe they're just really deep in thought. Maybe they've got something terrible happening and they, they are not thinking about anything external whatsoever. Or maybe they're just like in a hurry or whatever it may be and, and they don't feel the need to say, I'm, I'm good. Because really, it's a formality. Yeah. Um, so I just, I feel like everybody's got their own thing. My big thing right now is just, not just right now, hopefully we can all carry this through, is just just be nice, mind your business and kind of, <laughs> you said before, head down, do the work. It's not for the accolades or anything like that. I don't know if they're nice and the awards are nice, but I know that you and I have had this conversation before. I know you don't do it for the awards. You do it for that intrinsic mountain that you got to climb and then you have your next goal and your next goal. So that's what keeps you going and I love it. And I'm, I'm glad you're still taking names and kicking butt. So I want to take us now into the fun game portion. Okay. And so uh -oh. I'm going to give you, uh, it's basically this or that. I'm going to give you a couple options. And then mm -hmm. I want you uh, to minimally think about it. Like just gut reaction. Don't even think about it. Got it. If you yeah. feel the need that you need to at some point justify one of the responses, we can hop back to it later. But I okay. want you to just try to go with your gut instinct. All right? Okay. You ready? Ready. Okay. So for this or that, 
Bismarcky or the Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince. Okay. Friends or Frasier? Friends. Pocket Square or Boutonniere? Boutonniere. <laughs> How about Beyonce or the rest of Destiny's Child? Oh, shit, Beyonce. <laughs> that one is very controversial for some reason. Uh, Tupac or Biggie? Ooh, Tupac. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. Belle Biv DeVoe or Boys to Men? Belle Biv DeVoe. <laughs> NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Ooh, NSYNC. John Amos or John Stamos? John Stamos. Pronunciation, Porsche or Porsche? Porsche. Uh, and then necktie or bow tie? Bow tie. Brittany or Christina? Christina. Okay. That's it. Oh, okay. You were, yeah, you did really well. Uh, I feel like uh, you were really adamant about Belle Biv DeVoe. Oh. <laughs> how <laughs> about, how about. Like a cheesy kind of band to me, you know, like a group, boy group. Who was that, Boys to Men? Boys to Men, yeah. How about Belle Biv DeVoe versus New Edition? Oh, New Edition. With Bobby, without with Bobby, Bobby both? with Bobby Brown, yes, has to be. How did Bobby you feel Brown. when? So uh, Johnny took over, right? Yes. Okay, I like Johnny Gill independently. Like I, I like Johnny Gill independently, not okay. no. And then Bobby went on his own. He had he had some good stuff. He had my prerogative. He had uh, he had humping around. That was good. <laughs> um, so yeah, he also had. Uh, Tenderoni. I remember when I was younger, I would listen to it with my Walkman. I would fall asleep listening to that song every night. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. What about, and I, I think it was, I think it was around the same time, DeBarge? Yes. Yeah. I like DeBarge. My, so my favorite in terms of groups uh, <laughs> were going, not necessarily that era, but mm -hmm. a little bit later is 112. Oh. And I really feel like 112 is so like, under-respected and underappreciated. because all of their songs were sexual. It's like they couldn't really do anything else. I'm pretty sure that was the majority of R&B for, for like decades. I feel like you would have to compare Jodeci to 112. Oh, okay. Because like, I feel like they're the same vibe. Sure, that's yeah. fair. 112 also, and I don't know, maybe this is just, because you know how sometimes people form opinions just based on whatever their experience was. So whenever I, I kind of got more into listening to music and really exploring, I guess, R&B, 112 was just hot at the time. Yeah. And so 112 really, to me, sort of ushered in that, like, if the song was three minutes, it was two and a half minutes of R&B and then like 30 seconds of like a, a dude coming in like, yeah, girl. And then just like rapping over it for 30 <laughs> seconds. That was... <laughs> Do you like my uh, Do you like my puffy and ninety five impression? Yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and then he would rap. Um, although that was, I feel like that was the formula. There was, I feel like every era and every decade has a formula, and so that was that was uh, you do an R and B track, and then you add in thirty seconds of rap, and that that was either puffy or Biggie. Uh, even like you could throw Method Man in there for for good measure with Mary J Blige. Uh -huh. And then, and then hip-hop went to rappers rapping over, like, EDM beats, which is, like, the, the most recent that reincarnation yeah. that we've seen, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, and then if you go all the way back, it was, like, R&B songs were, like, eight minutes long, nine minutes long. Yes. I mean, like, that's back in the day, though. That's, like, Luther Vandross. Yeah. Teddy LaBerg. I mean, um... Teddy Pendergrass, you know, like that was back in the day, Dick Barry White. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Green. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Green. Yeah. Oh, I would say, would you classify Marvin Gaye in that, or is that is he more like pre predating that? No, Marvin Gaye, um, Otis Redding. Yes. Like you see, that's see, that's the kind of Christmas music I listen to as well. Temptations, <laughs> you know, like that's a that's a different era. Rick James, you know. Yeah. Rick James is an extremely interesting person. Rick James. All right, let me ask you. This is this is going to be a tough one. Uh, what are your thoughts on party all the time? The the Eddie Murphy classic. Mm. Really. All right. 
whatever. Okay. I know everybody craps all over it. Nobody <laughs> likes it. It's like a it's a pop culture joke. But I feel like, look, you had if you said, Oh, okay, I'm gonna take the hottest star in the world, I'm gonna give Rick James production on it. That seemed <laughs> like a good idea at the time. And I stand by the fact that it is a good idea and it was a good idea and it's a banger song i am shocked that no djs have like done a remix of it to make it a, a hot thing in the club at some point and that's something that has to happen that's we got to manifest that into the universe too right now you should get with uh dj I'll brian. Talk to brian i'll talk yeah. to brian yeah i'll talk to brian see what we can do to get party all the time back in in the uh, you know the, the universe get it back into people's ears yeah. uh, but i was gonna say rick james Basically, I don't want to say made Prince, but was very responsible yes. for, for Prince. Yes. To my understanding, I have a good friend. Um, he's a like, super Prince fan, and I, I apologize immediately to Mike Walter because I'm going to probably butcher the history of this. But <laughs> um, apparently Prince was opening for Rolling Stones, and like mm -hmm. the crowd hated him. <laughs> like, they were not into it. Um, and I mean, then, that, doesn't just, that just doesn't seem like a good setup, Prince opening for Rolling Stone. Yeah, no, I think they knew like he was good and that's why they probably brought him on tour, but uh -huh. it's not like, I don't think the audience was right. Also, Prince was, if we're going to just call it what it is, he was weird. Like weird. he was a yeah. weird performer for that time. Right. I don't think people were ready for that. Um, exactly. But then you take Rick James, who's also weird, and then you go, here's my weird friend Prince. <laughs> it made sense. Makes I mean, sense. Yeah. And then I, I realized like they kind of had this weird unspoken rivalry. Yeah. Where they were trying to one up each other for a while. Yes. And then, you know, and then Rick got into the drugs and then I think everything kind of spiraled out of control. Yeah. Rick James fell off. Rick James <laughs> did fall off. Shout out to Rick James though. But when he was on point, he was very talented. Ooh, and him and Tina Marie was together. He was good. Yeah. But Tina Marie, also very underappreciated artist. Very under. I mean, I remember when I was younger, and my mom used to, like, have her, her records, like, records with a record player, and she'd be like, that white girl can sing. Ooh, she put these <laughs> white girls to shame. Like, she would always compare her to Aretha Franklin, and I'd be like, you're going too far. <laughs> I'll stand with you on that one. That's a little too far. <laughs> yeah, so, no, Tina Marie, I mean, she had a voice on her. She could sing. Yeah. I and listen to Prince, in my car. Nice. Uh, what about Apollonia? No. Vanity Six? Was it Six? I don't know who you're talking about. Okay. They, weren't, they weren't popular. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tina Marie, Stephanie Mills. Um, I can't think of her name. Like, Day. This is what I listen to in the car. If, like, I'm driving somewhere. That's what I'm listening to. Day is wonderful like work music like when you just need to sit there and get work done for it like Sade I don't know puts me in like a zen meditative like state where I can just get things done uh-huh I don't know if Sade is like driving music you got to be like really oh you know what Sade is great for like you're driving into a sunset and like your day's complete and <laughs> and you got nothing else to do that's Sade right I mean, like Sade, she if when you're listening to her, like what's that song? Um, God, it escapes me right now. She, I mean, like I'm That's in the many. I'm yeah. in the car, like belting out every word of this song. Like, is it a crime? That's the name is of it. it. A crime? Yeah, that's a I'm like, oh, I'm crying. I'm I'm feeling her pain. I see the video playing in my head. Oh no, <laughs> it's not driving into the sunset. She is driving to go beat up your boyfriend music. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, we we interpreted it differently. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm a fan of Sade for a variety of reasons. Uh, I, I don't know if she's single or not. I mean, I, I, at this, I think she's maybe like in her 60s, but regardless, shout out to Sade. Yes. Yeah, she was great. Also kind of underappreciated. I don't know if I, like maybe I just, yeah, I think maybe just she got caught up in that like era of music videos and like Michael was putting on like multi-million dollar music video productions. And then Prince's whole thing was that he was a really good performer and he wrote more than like anybody could possibly imagine. He like, he made other artists and he like wrote their songs and yeah, he was responsible for so much more than people realize. Um, and I think everybody else sort of just got lost in that because it was, it was Prince and Michael's world at, at that point in time. 
That's factual. Yeah, it became more about the performance, the music. And I mean, if you look at the evolution of music, which, listen, I'm not going to get up here and pretend that I'm like knowing all the facts, but songs used to be more about the songs, the lyrics. And then like, it kind of became more about the performance. And now the song is like two minutes, but it's like 20 minutes of performance. Right. Oh yeah. It's, it's just the trend, the, the evolution of it all. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a great observation, but you know what, if you look at things, how things have been going in, in our industry and not even our industry, I don't want to say that, but like any industry where there's small businesses involved, people don't read our stuff anymore. They watch our videos. They yes. look at our photos. Right. But like copy, unfortunately is taken sort of like a backseat to everything. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you still need to have really good copy. You need good copy. Right. <laughs> but I feel like the more instinctual thing, because not only do you suffer from instant gratification syndrome, a whole generation of suffers from that. And so I feel like um, evolutionarily, is that a word? We're going to make it a word. Evolutionarily, great. Uh, that's just where we are, like where we're at. Um, we are at a point where you need to kind of stimulate everything. It, it needs to be, you know, visual and you got to hear it. And you got to, yeah, everything's got to be from every angle. Yes, absolutely. Got to be promoted in that way, and that's where I feel like the performance is. That that's why I think now, when you do see a twenty-minute, like you said, twenty-minute Beyonce performance for a three-minute song, that stems from Michael. That stems from Prince. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's do it this way. Let's wrap up on, I guess, maybe hopefully the, the hardest question here with this or that, Prince or Michael. Michael Jackson. Ooh. Yes, even Jackson Five. Michael Jackson before he went solo. Michael Jackson. How about Jackson 5 Michael versus Solo Michael? Can I talk both? Because like right now I'm listening to Jackson 5 Michael Jackson Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> like literally every day. Did he, um, <laughs> he did, did he do anything solo for Christmas or it was all Jackson 5 stuff? It was all Jackson 5 stuff. Yeah. Although when I listened to it, oh my God. I, you know what? I can't say that on here. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. So stricken from the record. Um, you can say we'll bleep it out. Okay. Well, what I was, people curious. was when I hear the song, um, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Every oh. time I hear it, and he was like, "Oh, it'd be so funny if Daddy saw mommy kissing Santa Claus." I'm like, "No, that wouldn't have been funny. Joe was not the man to play with." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we can say that. That's yeah. yeah. Time. <laughs> we can. I can go, look. We can go at Joe Jackson on this podcast. He was. He was. Does not have a reputation for being uh, a, a great parent. So. Yeah, or husband. <laughs> or husband. <laughs> have you ever seen uh, the TV show Atlanta? No. So Donald Glover created it. Um, he is an actor slash childish Gambino. So he's a musician. He's he's a Renaissance man. The dude is like super impressive, and so he created Atlanta which to anybody listening, I highly recommend if you can uh, catch that. So there was an episode they did about, uh, it, he cr like created this character out of nowhere and it was one episode and like it was never touched on again, named Teddy Perkins. And if you know anybody that watches the show and you say the Teddy Perkins episode, like everybody knows what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's this guy who was like a recluse selling a piano. And when the guy came to pick up the piano, he took him through his whole career and everything. It was very eerie and like horror movie-esque and creepy. And a lot of it was very inspired by Jackson's life because he had this whole, like he was looking to turn his house into a museum. And he had this hall of great dads where he had like Joe Jackson, Marvin Gaye Sr. And like, that was the whole, the whole joke was like all these horrible dads. Yeah. And because then you later found out is because their father also made them like play piano and, and would like physical physically abuse them if they missed a tune. But um, that was a, that on was, that wall. <laughs> yeah, that was like a very um, intense episode. But everybody knows it's like an infamous episode of that series. Mm. Very well done. Uh, but yeah, Joe Jackson. Uh, I, I don't mind throwing uh, you know firing shots at, at Joe Jackson. <laughs> I don't want to say throwing shade at Joe Jackson. Uh, we're fine with that. Listen, if we already came at Flaky Diana, <laughs> the, the, lesser, the lesser known Michael Jackson hit, Flaky Diana, where that didn't pan out. He changed it to Dirty Diana. Yeah. Uh, so if, uh, if we can do that, we can throw shots at Joe Jackson as well. Okay. On that note, thank you so very much for being here. 
Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Now, I'll give you the last two minutes of yours. Please tell everybody anything you'd want them to be aware of. Tell everyone how they can find you, how we can follow you and, and get you that Instagram verification that you need. Oh my God, thank you. So please follow me at the Michelle Norwood Events. It is my business page. I have zero personality there. If you would like to get to know me, the real me, follow me at the Michelle Norwood, T-H-E Michelle Norwood. It is where you get to see all my personality. You get to know me as a person and hopefully you learn to love me. And also check out my website. And if you want to know what's up in my personal life, I put it in a newsletter and I send it out once a week. So if you want some of those recipes I'm cooking, they're in my newsletter. So if you want to be a part of that, join on my website at michellenorwood.com. I got to get on that. I don't get this newsletter. I don't get this uh, weekly updates of Michelle. Okay. Well, I'm signing up right now. And <laughs> it's Michelle, it's always a great time. The Michelle Norwood, 2L Michelle, as I affectionately call you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. You're a lovely person. You kick ass at what you do. And please continue to do so. Thank you, Artem. You're the best.